When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! You've got Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. You're Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365, a practicing Thursday. The Eagles actually can get back to practice. Way to go. Guys. Yeah, man. I'm not. Well, it seems like it's been a while. It has been a while um, because they're in the midst of a mini buy, having played on Thursday and not playing till Monday. Remember, Monday night football this week for the Eagles 
Sunday, you can kick back and watch every other game just like you did this past Sunday because uh, the Eagles don't play till Monday night. And we will start the preview of their matchup against the Bucs uh, on Monday night because we've got a Bucks reporter on and an Eagle reporter. So we got two good guests <clears throat> coming your way. No Eagle practice yesterday, John, but they did make the coordinators available to you media guys, including Michael Clay, not just uh, your offensive and defense coordinators, but the special teams coordinator as well. And they had a special teams announcement to make yesterday. Uh, you heard from all three guys. Who would you learn the most from out of the three Eagle coordinators? <clears throat> uh, Sean Desai, um, I think, you know, kind of intimated that uh, w- what I thought was going to happen and that's uh, – James Bradbury's not moving full-time into the slot. I don't know. Nick might get mad at him. <laughs> or, or he but just missed Giving up that competitive advantage. Yeah. How dare you? Uh, you know, but he said we're not, you know, you know, his role is cornerback, and he meant outside cornerback. And I, you know, it makes sense to me. He's an all-pro player. Why are you moving him? It never, it never made any sense to me. But in, in specific instances, and I think last week, but he didn't play because of the concussion, I think you might have saw it with, with with Hawkinson moving inside on occasion. The one Hawkinson TD, remember, he ran over Mario Goodrich, the slot corner. So that might have been Bradbury. Um, and that, I think, is, you know, if you see Travis Kelsey later in the season, uh, maybe something of that nature. If he mentioned if they put Mike Evans in the slot, um, which uh, I don't know, he said they've been doing more. I have to double check. We'll have to ask JC Allen. We're going to have on. I mean, the guy never plays in the slot, so I don't know if they've changed anything. Um, but I think in those types of instances, um, you might see him in there, but long-term, it's an all-pro player. Why would you move him, Jody McDonald? Yeah. Uh, when uh, you first told me that they were working on it in preseason practice, I was like, huh? Wait a minute. <laughs> Guy just made all-pro. Why would you take him off the outside to move him inside when you've got a player of that level? It didn't, didn't add up. I get the thinking behind it. If it's on a very limited basis, matchup-based you could do something like that. That I guess that makes sense. But when you lose Maddox and you have to f- find someone to become your number one slot corner, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be Bradbury, which means it as of right now, and right now means for me into Monday night against the Bucks, they're not going to sign somebody today and have them up to speed to be their number one slot corner for Monday night's game against the Bucks. It is going to be Mario Goodrich. And I I didn't think he was great on Monday night from the time Maddox went down when he filled in. You mentioned the individual play that Hawkinson made against him. He wasn't horrific. He didn't get burned on every single play, but I didn't see him make any big plays. And I saw him trailing on a couple of plays. He almost, he, he forced a fumble, but it got, that was the one that got overturned because Contavious Street was, uh, was offside so he did make that play and it should have been a play we you know he lined up offside so it wasn't like it impacted his ability so he did he got better i thought that's how i thought he was a little bit you know and understandably so that was the first time he's ever played i thought he's a little bit shaky when he first came in and he got better and that's how sean described it and i think that's right he got 
But it wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, I think they targeted him six times, six receptions. So it's not great, but they weren't big plays. Couple to running backs, and he got right up there and made the tackle. Uh, but the Vikings running backs stink. Um, so I, I, it wasn't terrible. Right. It wasn't, I, yeah, it wasn't if, good. if you're looking for a grade, I give him a C. It wasn't D or F. It was sure as heck wasn't A plus coming in off the bench. And oh my God, where's this guy been? C. You get a C. But if you want to say that you think he got better during the course of the game, all right, then it's a C with an arrow up. And you're hoping that arrow continues up with that many more reps. Although today is the first practice, which, yeah, I got to tell you this. Um, maybe it was Clay who said it. Uh, oh, you know what it was about the, the extra holding snaps that <laughs> country is going to get. Oh, yeah, it happened this week because it happened. To, no, it's the exact same practices. There's numbers of practice. Was he, did, did you, did you get some inside information that he and, uh jake elliott were out uh working on yeah they got an extra day they were out there working so you know kickers can do whatever they want you know basically they sit by themselves you know and the punters but uh, the the group rick and 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 jake and now it's going to be braden man they sit you know they're off in the corner so they did have an extra day to work on stuff but it's an extra day <laughs> anyway uh you know it's overblown either way. Right. But and they did have an extra. Oh, by the way, guilty is charged of the overblown thing because you and I have been talking about it. We, we, the poor uh, kick punter who was in here for uh, the supposed competition with uh, Sipas this uh, off, off season, Zentner, he missed the one kick that he held for in the preseason. And you said you specifically went back and watched it and you thought it was absolutely perfect and fine. Yeah. But Elliot missed, so it had to be Zittner's fault. Oh, he just can't kick if Sipas isn't holding it. Well, we're going to look at it the same way with the new punter, Braden Mann. It all better, it's all going to come down to whether Jake makes a kick or not. If he does, then there's no problems. If he misses, everybody's going to be looking at the holder and say, oh, what did he do wrong? Why, why, why didn't he get the ball down faster? Did he have laces out? Is this Ace Ventura pet detective again? No. Uh, it's a little overblown, a little ridiculous, but we're going to do it. I can guarantee you that, John. Oh, yeah. If he misses one, I mean, it's going to be, you know, because he's been kicking at a high level. It's going to be a thing, but only if he misses. And that's the right. life of, um, same thing with Rick. Nobody talks about Rick Lovato uh, uh, because he's good. And you know, there's generally no problems. The only time his name is going to come up, except right now, is if there's a bad snap. Yep. Um, same thing. A little bit different because in Zettner's case, as you mentioned, it wasn't a bad hold, but the guy who's making all these kicks misses one. And the only thing different was Sipos to Zettner. Yep. So, you know, and kickers have a history, but Michael brought up, and I think he's right. I don't think Jake's like most kickers. Like he's a great athlete. I talk about it all the time. He, He's a great golfer. Anything with hand-eye coordination, he's great at. He's great at ping pong. He's great. He's great at. He's great at everything that involves hand-eye coordination. He's one of the best pure athletes on the team. I know people say he is. He's he like wins everything um, when they're having little competitions. I I don't think he's like the normal kicker, but I've seen so many kickers that have those mental whatever you want to call it, hiccups. Um, and it's, it's, it's real. 
and he did have one poor season here where there was a little bit of that and and he and he righted the ship um so you got to keep an eye on it the only reason it's ever going to come up is if he starts missing kicks and then you have to look at it i mean you know but but aaron was not punting well and i think you look at it there was that one punt return that the Vikings brought back. It was a bad punt, and they brought it back uh, 20 yards or so. They were going to be on a short field, but Justin Evans punched it out at the last right. minute, and that sort of overshadowed the bad punt and and what was going to be. And from a coach's perspective, you're looking at it, that's not good. You can't count on that. Um, it's a bad punt. It's a bad coverage uh aspect and he happened to get a little bit lucky at the end it's not something you want to hang your hat on um so he, he which i'm glad the eagles kind of acknowledged that because it's you know it was bad it was a bit from a coaching perspective it was a bad play even though you got a good it ended up as a turnover yeah right uh they did make one other special teams move yesterday which i gotta tell you john i was Certainly surprised, borderline shocked that they made it official that Britton Covey is now on the 53-man roster. Uh, they had the chance, if they wanted to, to keep Aaron Zipas around for one more week, elevating him from the practice squad, made the decision to move off of him and let him go, and Braden Mann is now part of the practice squad as well, which means he's going to be elevated this week, and he can be done. that can be done three times before they have to make a decision. They made a decision with a week to spare on Britton Covey that he's now going to be on the 53, man, on the 46, returning punts on uh, Monday night against the Bucks. Any reason that they decided to go ahead and for the mindset of Britton Covey? What was your read as to why? And if Michael Clay touched on it, please tell us uh, as to why they decided to put Covey on the roster this week. Well, they had an open spot because Avante, you got to put Avante on IR, and they did. So they opened the spot, and then it's like, all right, what are you going to do with the spot? Um, you know, there was some thought that maybe they would side William Jackson. If that's not the case, um, you know, are you just going to put, put Braden Mann on the, on the roster? Um, and, and the case Britain's been here, my guess is, you know, and the Eagles have done this in the past, um, um, you know, get them a little bit more money. He's been here and they're a good organization when it comes to that. So they were going to do it in week four anyway. So you do it, uh, a little bit earlier. Um, and that's, that's the decision. I think when they decided to stand pad at, at nickel cornerback, at least for one week, um, I, I think, you know, they went in that direction. Um, and, and, you know, Braden man's gonna, Braden man has a three week tryout basically. You know, if he, if he punts well, he'll be on the roster as well. And then you got to make a decision down the road unless there's an injury, another injury. And sometimes these problems take care of themselves with injuries and that's sort of what happened with Maddox that opened up a spot you're going to have to find a spot for him in week four anyway so just sped up a week all right so uh with the 46 on Monday night against the Bucks, 
Uh, Rick's been inactive the first couple of weeks. Is he going to be activated? Because, yes, if Goodrich is slipping in and going to be the starter and take as many of the snaps as necessary at the uh, uh, slot position, do you play with one less D-back? Do you think no, he was is... active. He was active last week. He was active against the Vikings, I believe. Ricks was? Yeah. Um, okay, so check. do you I mean, think they're going to play ahead. down a a a, uh, a safety, uh, excuse me, a D-back person, or do you think that a guy like Garner could be activated and jump from the practice squad? What are the... Well, the problem is they don't have any damn nickel corners. They got yeah. all these big, long guys, and I asked, uh, uh, Sean Desai about that, and you know, he's that's when he brought up Mike Evans playing in the slot because I, you know, I, I try to ask the general question because you know, when you ask specific players, and, and Ricks did play one rep against the Vikings. Um, oh, that's right, because uh, Bradbury was out, yeah. Um, okay, now, but Bradbury's going to be back, so right. that's that that complicates. Uh, things as well so he might have an issue um but as far as both of them i mean they both can't play in the slot so i don't i don't know how much it improves i'm talking about ringo and rakes and and even gardner so three of them if you bring up they're all six two (laughs) i i I, you know and and sean gave uh an, an answer that you know, and he brought up Mike Evans. Like sometimes they're putting Mike Evans in the slot. Okay, but they're not doing it a lot. And mm. I would love to see that breakdown of when he's in the slot. I bet you it's a bunch of empty sets where you got to have somebody inside. So even that could be um, misconstrued. Um, it's just, you know, it's a position that is not. Um, De- desirous whatever he would use for for larger guys i mean it's just it's difficult for them it's more difficult for them just like it's difficult and people say it, it's avante maddox had one bad year here and that's because they tried to play him outside right and he's too small to play he's going outside. up against six foot three yeah. wide receivers so i mean it works both ways but it's it's real uh and you can't play six two guys in the slot um, and especially six two guys with no experience in the slot. And that's Ringo, Ricks, and Gardner, because nobody's at the college level saying, hey, let's play this guy in the slot. He can run. No, they're playing outside. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not gonna help you in the slot, is is what I'm trying to say. And what I'm trying to say is. Mr. Goodrich better be up to speed by <laughs> this uh, Monday night. He's going to get a little baptism under fire with Maddox going down and Eagles not having depth at that position. It's going to be Mario or Sink as a matter Yeah, of by fact. the way, I go back to that Houston game, Jody. I think a lot of people forget I mentioned, you know, they gave Marvin Wilson one chance to, to, to you know, when, when Jordan got hurt, Jordan Davis and Marlon uh, got hurt, Marlon two week below two. Um, they gave Mar- Marvin Wilson one chance in Houston to sort of lock, and it did not go well. And they, then Linball Joseph was on the phone, and and Dominican Sue was on the phone. Same thing this week. I think Mario Goodrich is getting one shot, and if it's bad, I think outside help is on the horizon. They will be burning up the phones to find themselves another 
experienced slot corner. He's McMullen on McDonald. You got Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. As I said previously, we've got one Eagle reporter and one Tampa Bay Buccaneer reporter going to go a little bit behind enemy lines. Uh, JC Allen's going to join us. He was on with us last year. Did a nice job uh, whenever we need buck information. He made the jump over to uh, Sports Illustrated this year. Joined Johnny Mac. He's part of Bucks Game Day, the Sports Illustrated Tampa Bay Buccaneer site. And he's going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. And we are lucky enough to have J.C. Allen, who is now writing for the... Uh, Bucks outlet on Sports Illustrated. Same as Johnny Mac. Too much sports. So I'm beaten. I'm surrounded by Sports <laughs> Illustrated guys here on Birds 365. Uh, JC's going to give us the update on the Bucks for the big Monday night game between the Eagles and down to Tampa this week. JC, Johnny Mac, and Johnny Mac here. How was your summer? 
That was good. Uh, it went by too quick. You know, we cover sports, guys. There's never a dull moment. There's always something to write about. Yeah. Some well, at least we're not in Chicago, with. JC. Well, oh, we could nice. be in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, let's, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> not. Things aren't going too well in Chicago right now. All right. Let me start there then, John. Thank you for the entree. Uh, last week, I didn't see a lot of the Bucks uh, Bears game, but I noticed that uh, Justin Fields, who might be the best quote unquote running quarterback, sorry, Eagle fans, uh, in the entire National Football League, rushed for all of three yards. Yeah. Were they just not, has Chicago moved on from it and said, we got to pass the football? We can't expect our running quarterback to be our number one offensive option. Did the Bucks do a great job at just shutting him down? Why wasn't Justin Fields running the football any part of a deciding factor in that game last week? I think it was a little bit of both. I, I think, you know, Justin Fields, obviously, his comments went viral yesterday about being robotic and kind of blaming the coaching for wanting him to be more of that pocket passer. And that's something that Justin Fields needs to prove this year. Chicago's armed with two uh, potentially top 10 picks, and there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. It's essentially a contract year for him in year three where, you know, if he plays well, they're going to pick up his third-year option and then maybe the talk extension. Uh, but also the Bucks' defense is really good, uh, especially their run defense. They're right up there with your Eagles, you know, letting up 52 yards, 54 yards a game. Uh, they are not letting opponents get anywhere on the ground. And uh, they had a great game plan to contain um, Justin Fields. It worked perfectly, uh, and they were able to get a ton of pressure on him uh, with, a, with a kind of a banged-up line and a, not a very good line to begin with. So... Uh, they, they, that was their number one thing to take away. Uh, they took it away and said, all right, beat us throwing the ball. And Justin Fields apparently can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Bucks. you mentioned the Eagles have been tremendous through the first two weeks against the run game, but it, you know, they weren't very good. They were middle of the road last year and fans were very mm. upset in the Super Bowl. Uh, and a lot of their philosophy is, Hey, we'll give up a run here and there as long as we can limit explosive plays. Right. The Bucks, on the other hand have been tremendous stopping the run for years, uh, basically since Vita Bay has showed up. Is it as simple as you can't move him? I asked Brian Johnson that yesterday. Um, is that, the key to it all is it that simple or is it more than that yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it i mean he's a big big man who can take on multiple blockers and still push them around uh he's very strong and athletic as well uh week one i don't know if you guys saw he chased down a screen about 30 yards down the field uh, to a running back uh he's he's just an incredible size and force but it's also has to do with bulls um game plan too they've got you know, they have two guys on the outside of Shaq Baird and JTS that are really good at setting the edge, very active cornerbacks who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty and tackle and run support and two amazing sideline to sideline linebackers and Devin White and Levante David. So they've built a, it, it's a team defense, but certainly Vita Vea is sometimes an unstoppable and an unmovable force. And, and it's hard to get anything going when you got a guy that big, that fast, that strong, that, that athletic, trying to break into the backfield and, uh, you know, chasing runners down. JC, there were some rumors floating around during this offseason about uh, the Buccaneers potentially moving David. I didn't necessarily buy them. I thought it was more teams hopeful, wishful that uh, the Bucs would be able, would be willing to do something like that. What yeah. did you make of those rumors or anything you were able to uncover about it? 
Was it legit? Did the Bucks talk to the team, any other teams? What was like the asking price for it? If they were going to move him, the way the defense had played the first two weeks sounds like a very good thing. Talking about, we're talking about White, Devin White. Oh, White, yeah, I meant yeah. White. Excuse me. I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna correct it, but no, uh, there was there was no um, contract. I mean, there was no trade rumors or trade talks at all whatsoever. Um, you know, pretty much Devin White. Asked, requested a trade. Um, he wanted to get paid. Uh, you know, rightfully so. We've seen this this game. You look around all the injuries that have happened. It's just one play, and then you know your future is up in smoke. But the um, you know the Bucks held fast. They said we're not trading you. You're playing on your fifth year option. A lot of play t- teams do this. You're still a part of our plans. They had a meeting behind closed doors, and kind of Devin White bought back in. Um, skipped all the voluntary workouts and stuff, but showed up for training camp when it was ready to roll, showed up in shape and has been playing some of the best football that he's, that he's played that week. One game was probably the best game, complete game I've ever seen Devin White play as far as a coverage standpoint, instinct standpoint, tackling standpoint. He was all over the field, Uh, but no, he's going to play into the fifth year option. Jason light loves him. You know, Todd Bowles is like a father figure mentor for him. Um, So if he continues to play this way, he'll probably get his 18 to $20 million contract, potentially even with the Bucks. But there was no – same thing with Mike Evans. There's no – he's not being traded. No one's no one's, no one's going to get any give up anything worth it for the Bucks to trade him. He'll play out the extent the rest of the season, extent of the season. Um, maybe they'll have some contract talks prior to free agency. But if not, they'll do what they did the last three years with, with some of their premier players and Levante David – Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean said, go test free agent market. If you can get that contract, thank you for your service. If not, come back, we'll talk. And I think that's likely with Evans. Um, I I think we kind of buried the lead. I should have started with probably Baker Mayfield because, you know, he's (laughs) been pretty solid through two games. Uh, I I don't know if many of us saw that coming. I don't know if he and Emily are going to move into Raymond James Stadium like back in the day, but (laughs) Um, he's been solid and you mentioned, uh, Justin Fields playing for, he's playing for a contract. Let's be honest, uh, yeah. a, a longer term thing. Um, what have you seen from Baker Mayfield? Is it a mirage or is he better than people think? I think he's always been better than people think. Uh, you look at what he's had to endure through his career, you know, seven different head coaches, six different offensive coordinators until this season with the Bucks, making it eighth and seven um you know he he had some success his rookie year under a um whirlwind of an organization and re- regime there he had the most success he's ever had was in 2020 under kevin stefanski which kind of runs a similar style offense this shanahan mcveigh branch of offense um, he had the most success he's ever had there when 11 and 5 was a defensive stop on chad henney on a scramble on fourth and 13 from going to the afc championship game and we might not even be talking about Baker being available. Uh, last season, he was never a fit in Carolina. That seemed like an ownership push to me to get a big name, former Heisman Trophy winner for uh, you know that quarterback competition. And he, he didn't do well there, expectedly. Um, and then kind of put some things together those final couple of games with L.A. But uh, I know the Bucks are high on him. They were going to bring him in here, likely, if they could have swung a trade for him last season if Brady retired. So... But, no, this offense fits him like a T. I mean, it really does highlight not only his, but most of the, the offense strengths, the, the offensive line, the skill set, 
um, players at wide receiver, tight end, and running back, and most importantly, Baker. It allows him to kind of just put the ball in his hand, be a point guard, um, take the don't take the easy passes, don't force anything. We've seen that he hasn't had any turnovers so far. He's he's only had one sack, um, and that was on a beautifully designed pressure by Brian Flores, who's one of the best you know uh, defensive coordinators in the league. And I, I think when you look at the marriage of this system between Dave Canales and Baker Mayfield, what new offense corner Dave Canales preaches is it's not always about the big shot, big shot, or for lack of a better term, risk it, no biscuit, right? Mm-hmm. He, he compares it to a heavyweight fight. You take those body blows, body blow, body blow. And then, you know, when they're reeling from those, from those you know, body shots, then you come in with a haymaker, you beat them down the field deep. And, and that's what they've done, uh, you know, uh, the last the last two games. So, is it sustainable? We'll see. This is their first big test against a really good defense. Um, but so far, he's been playing really well, and I, I don't see, um, I don't see why it can't continue throughout the season. Know that when you take Tom Brady out of the equation and put in anybody, Baker Mayfield happens to be the guy. But changing from Brady to anyone else is going to be a right. massive change. Uh, so you knew that there was going to be a specific direction change. Canales's offense with what they wanted to do, is it Baker-centric? Did they design the offense around Baker Mayfield's skill set, or is this a Canales offense that they were going to put in place and they just thought he was a fit? How did the whole making the change, not only at quarterback, but also an offensive quitter, play itself out uh, from the offseason to where you are two games in? So the base of Canales offense is kind of quarterback friendly. So multiple quarterbacks or multiple styles can fit into that. It, it usually relies on someone who's got a little bit of athleticism. Brady wouldn't have been a great fit. Someone who can roll out, do some boots and waggles and stuff like that. Um, so Baker naturally fit perfectly. Uh, Kyle Trask, who is in the competition early on, he actually looked a lot better. Um, you know, he came coming out of Florida. He was tabbed as a packet, uh, pocket passer strictly, right? Um, and he showed that athleticism to do some boots and some waggles and some stuff like that, some RPOs. Um, so, you know, it, it it was predicated based on just someone who can do that. Now, along the way, they have tailor made it for Baker, what he can do well, what he can, what you know, what he'll struggle at. They probably won't call. Um, just like any good offensive coordinator, you know, you don't want to call things just because you like the play. You need to make sure that your guys can um, execute it as well. So, mm-hmm. it, it, it's definitely. Taylor tailored now towards Baker since he won the, uh, the, the competition. But if something were to happen to him um, and Kyle Trask would have to come in, they would take a lot of that stuff out and put stuff, you know, designed specifically to meet Kyle's skill set. So, um, yes and no. You know, it, it wasn't like, all right, we need Baker because he fits. Um, but now it's like, okay, Baker's our guy. Let's make this the best system for him and the mo- so he can feel the most comfortable back there. Um, the supporting cast, JC, doesn't look great on paper. Um, you know, losing Ryan Jensen on the offensive line, moving Tristan Wirfs from the right side to the left side, um, running backs Rashad White, I guess, is the, the lead back. It doesn't jump out at you. So other than Mike Evans, who's playing great, by the way, uh, despite yes. that that contract uh, kerfuffle, um, it doesn't look great on paper. Um, is that how the, the, the feeling is in, in, in Tampa? No, I mean, well, they still got Chris Godwin too. You can't forget him. Yeah, he's uh, 
you know, Mike and Chris are, are one of the top duos at wide receiver in the entire league. And, and they're enough sometimes just to give defenses nightmares. Right. But um, no, you're, you're right. There's a lot of changes on the offensive line. Um, you know, Trisha Wirfs moving from as an all pro right tackle to left tackle. Hasn't really skipped a beat. He's been tremendous there already. There were some big questions. Um, obviously, with with Jensen out, they started on Robert Hainsey. Pardon me for the second year in a row. Um, and, you know, he's gotten kind of tossed around a little bit. So there is some, you know, hesitation there. Can he, you know, handle this defensive line for the Eagles? These are some big boys, some athletic boys coming at you. So um, that's, that's a little bit of a question mark we have here. I think all eyes are on that one. But the right side of the line, Cody Mock coming in as a second-round pick, former left tackle at North Dakota State, has been phenomenal in pass protection. He's struggled a little bit in run protection, but pass protection he's been phenomenal. Luke Gedeke, um, the right tackle who played right tackle in college, they moved him over to left guard last year. Didn't work out. He was benched after like six or seven games. Um, he's actually played really well, too. He's graded out as the ninth best tackle in football per PFF. And the line in itself is ranked as the ninth best for uh, line in football per PFF as well. So, you know, a, a weakness that a lot of people identified has kind of, I wouldn't say turned into a strength, but turned into one where maybe there's not as much concern as everyone thought. Um, so that's good. And then, now, where does, that- real quick, JC, where does the competition come into that? Because Minnesota doesn't have a great defensive front. Right. Uh, Chicago might have the worst defensive front. So is that sort of inflated early in the season? Well, we'll see. That's, that's the thing. This is going to be a big test for this Bucks team in a, in a variety of ways. Um, what I will say is, you know, uh, they got Yannick Ngagwe. Uh, they placed Yannick Ngagwe, Demarcus Walker, and also uh, Daniil Hunter. And they've only let up one sack. Uh, and those are some tremendous pass rushers in the league. So uh, that bode well. Um, you know, I don't think either team is going to be doing a lot of running uh, this week, or they'll, they'll try to, but I just don't think these two defenses are really just excellent at the, against the run. So it's going to be difficult for either of these teams to get the ground game going. So I'm looking for a lot more passing in this game. Um, and the fact that they've had positive grades in pass protection um, really kind of give me a little bit of, pause and saying, oh, they're going to get mauled this week. You know, I, I think that that bodes well for them. But it's still a tremendous challenge, I mean, that they're going up against. And and the first real test of the year for this this Bucks offense is this defense coming up at them. And speaking about depth, uh, Cody Mark uh, comes off the Viking Raiders of WWE fame, and they don't miss him, maybe. <laughs> Guy looks like he's ready to jump into the WWE immediately these days. I know he was a uh, draftable player this year, who I like, thought actually had a chance to go to the bottom of the first round. They take him early in the second, and you plug him right in, and uh looks like he's ready to go from day yep. one in the NFL. I saw an article you wrote for SI the other day about the uh, Tampa Bay rookies. Their rookie class has stepped in and been pretty outstanding oh, yeah. for them right away. How much are they leaning on the rookies across the board this year in Buckley? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they – <laughs> there's multiple reasons why they, need, they, they they have so many rookies on this team. They need to get younger faster. And also 42% of their cap space right now is, t- is eaten up by players who aren't going to be on that team. So they had to go bargain bin shopping and rely on rookies. And they've got 13 of them on their roster this year, six of them undrafted. And one of them 
an undrafted free agent, Kristen Izian, who's their nickel cornerback, was just nominated for Rookie of the Week. So uh, he's been making a <laughs> tremendous impact, back-to-back interceptions, always around the ball, um, and, and just a sound tackler um, as well. Saved a big play last week. Um, Kalaja Kansi, he only played for one half against the, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, but boy, was his impact felt immediately. So he's dealing with a calf strain, hoping he'll be back this week, but it looks like uh, potentially another week for him. We'll see once the injury report comes out today how how he's doing. Um, and then Cody Mock, starter at right guard, um, has been doing a really solid job. Needs to get a little bit better, tighten things up in run blocking, but pass blocking, he's been one of the better guards in the league. I think he's got a um, you know mid-80 80 grade per PFF in pass blocking. Um, then they begin contributions, Trey Palmer, um, you know, six round wide receiver out of Nebraska. He's caught a touchdown in his first game. He's been making contributions as has Yaya Diaby, their third rounder, big, athletic, strong, fast, uh, uh, outside linebacker who get plenty of rotation. And then Sean Tucker's RB2, um, kid from Syracuse who uh, would have been drafted probably on day two if it's not for a heart issue that popped up um, during the combine testing. So they've gotten tons of, of um, and the rest of the guys are all playing special teams really well. So they've gotten tons of impact from this rookie class. And it's helped the team, again, get faster, especially younger, um, quicker um, since, you know, Tom Brady and the, and the old vets have left this past year. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, JC. I think the passing game is going to decide this one. And I know the Eagles want to get their passing game going because it hasn't looked great over the first two weeks. Hasn't take flight? <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't. Um, two players. I want to talk about on that Tampa Bay defense, one Shaq Barrett who missed most of last season. Um, he, he looks like himself, at least from yes. the outside looking in. And then one of my favorite players in the NFL is Antoine Winfield. Jr. Yes. I knew his dad. His dad was a great cornerback, maybe the best tackling cornerback I've ever seen in my life. Um, and if genetics means anything, this proves it because his son is a, is a heck of a player. Um, and, you know, he plays safety, unlike his dad who played corner, uh, but he's a very versatile player. Just those two players, how important they are to Tampa Bay's defense. Yeah, so I mentioned Shaq a little bit earlier. Uh, his ability to set the edge as a run defender um, is so underrated. He's one of the better run defenders in the league, especially at that at that outside linebacker edge spot. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest things you worry about with an athlete coming off an Achilles injury is, is the speed still going to be there? Because usually they lost a step. He's on the other side of 30. And that hasn't been the case. He looks like the Shaq Bear from old. I uh, got a sack and a pick six in this past game, but the pressures were there in week one as well. Um, he and, and having him there opens up so much too for Joe Trine Schwenk on the other side, who had two sacks of his own. So the duo of those two are, are really are really dynamic and make make it difficult for teams to to move the ball the way they want to. They can both strong uh, run defenders. And they both have the juice and speed to get after the quarterback, especially if the the pocket's getting pushed in the middle by Vita Vea. Usually he's going to push those guys right out into the the arms of, of Shaq or JTS. And then Antoine Winfield Jr., I tabbed him in my bold predictions as, a, as an all-pro this year. He's just always by the ball, 
he, he's one of those rare safeties that has the uh, incredible knack for getting to the quarterback, 10 sacks in his career. You can play him anywhere, nickel, strong safety, free safety, and he's going to be a problem. Um, he is truly one of these uh, great players at safety in the league. Um, the Bucks were fortunate to get him in the second round. He's playing for a contract, and he's playing lights out right now. So I think I just saw um, on Good Morning Football, Jason McCourty tabbed him as the third best defensive back in all of football through two, two weeks. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's just a tremendous athlete, uh, tremendous tackler, and he's got a knack for being around the ball, whether that's, you know, with takeaways or whether that's just, you know, getting the quarterback to the ground. Can't say enough about him. And they're both great guys, too, just personally. JC, before you join it, John and I were talking about the fact that the Eagles made a change at punter this week, which means if you change the punter, you change the holder as well. And what kind of an effect would that have on Jake Elliott, who's kicking like uh, maybe the best kicker in the NFL through two weeks? Bucks made a change at kicker this year, moving away from Ryan Suckup, who was there a couple of years, including the Super Bowl year. And they right. bring in Chase McLaughlin, who's another, I've seen enough of these guys who have kind of moved around from team to team uh why the change how is mclaughlin look so far this year yeah i mean you know suck up was steady eddie right he's gonna give you everything from the 40 in um but at some point you need a guy who can kick kick for distance uh, and suck up just wasn't a guy that could do that he was also they also saved about three and a half million dollars by letting him go too so that was a big deciding factor in a year where you're uh, strapped with a with a salary cap. So, um, yeah, they brought him in because they wanted a guy who could do some distance. They brought in Rodrigo Blankenship, goggles, um, to compete with him. And, uh, you know, McLaughlin was just steady throughout camp. And then you, you look at that first game, 57-yard field goal. Um, it, it paid off exactly what they wanted and paid dividends. So um, we'll see. I think Jake Camarda is a real story back there as kickers probably one of the best punters in the league right now. He had a punt last week that went over 70 yards and was probably 80 yards of airtime. It was just in, in one of the best punts I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was really good. So uh, they got a good special teams unit back there. Uh, JC, uh, as we head into this Monday night game, I think all of us are a little bit surprised. It's two and O versus two and O maybe not the Eagles side, but the Eagles, haven't been that impressive, at least uh, if you date back to last season, what they were. Tampa Bay, one of the biggest surprises. So that's what I want from you. What has been the biggest surprise of this team through the first two weeks and the biggest disappointment that maybe you thought was going to be good and hasn't been as good as you thought? Um, I think the biggest surprise is – you know, I had I had both of these, I had these both of this teams coming in two and two and zero. I had the Bucks winning these these first two games, so I, I thought they would be able to to get these those first two wins. And then I thought coming into this game, oh, this is a this is a loss, and this isn't just a loss. This is a bad loss. Um, but what surprised me the most is the defense playing as well as they have out the gate. I knew they were going to have to carry the offense for a little bit until you know first year play caller, new system, you know, that everyone's learning. They're still learning it and still don't have the full system down. Um, but it's going to take a little while for the offense to, to, to get going, the defense. Would, but I didn't think the defense would be as dominant as they've been. And I didn't think the offense would gel in quick as quickly as they have. Not saying they've looked perfect, but they've definitely looked a lot better, especially, again, level of competition, take, you take into the consideration of that too. But they definitely looked a lot better 
um, and a lot more smoother than I thought. I, I think the biggest disappointment um, so far has been the health. You know, injuries is, is one thing that's going to derail this team so far. Carlton Davis is dealing with turf toe. Looks like he's not going to play this week as well as he did last week. Potentially, he won't come back potentially till after the bye. Uh, turf toe is one of those injuries you just don't mess around with. Um, and then Kalaja Kansi with the calf strain. Um, if they start losing more more pieces, it, it's going to get ugly quickly, especially in that secondary. Um, you know, the, they, they've got to be able to stay healthy. It's a war of attrition, um, and they do not have the depth to start losing starters in multiple places on this on this team. So, you know, that's it's part of the game, but it's also disappointing that, hey, you know, we're already two weeks in, one week in, and we're losing our starting defensive tackle, our starting cornerback, and, you know, so I think those would be the things. But, you know, this game, like I said, coming into the season, I had this as a loss. Um, if you would have told me. Looks we a lot we tougher sitting, right now. I think we all did, but now it looks, right. yeah. it looks yeah. like it should be a, a close matchup and, a, and actually an enjoyable game to watch, not just a blowout. Yeah. I need your behind the scenes read, what they admit to, and what you think actually the power structure is on the defense of the Bucks. Uh, we deal with it here in Philadelphia where we've got a new offensive coordinator. We know he's calling plays, but the Eagles' entire staff puts the uh, game plan together before the week starts, Nick Sirianni being an offensive head coach. Well, you got a defensive head coach down there in uh, Tampa and two guys who kind of share the defensive coordinator position what is the actual power structure on the defense there? How much of this is just a Bulls defense that he takes under wrap because he's also the head coach? How much responsibility oh, yeah. does he give to his DCs? How's that shake out in Tampa? Well, both DCs had an opportunity to call plays in the preseason, and this is a group that's been together for quite a while now. So he takes advice from everybody. Uh, but Bulls is the one calling plays on, on, on game day. He's the – He's going to be the, the head honcho making all those decisions as the head coach responsibilities and the defensive coordinator responsibilities. He kind of lets the offense run itself. If he wants to, you know, if there's something that he needs to chime in, that he'll feel he needs to chime in. But for the most part, he's not – the offensive coordinator has full autonomy over there. But, you know, Bowles is going to always take it – you know, it's a very op- – he's got an open-door policy with his players, with his coaches. If there's something that you think that I could be doing better, if there's something that you think that we could be doing better, uh, game plan wise, something that I've missed or something that you think we can exploit, he's an open door. Come, come talk to him. They'll talk about it. And if it's something he feels like they're going to help him, he's going to add it in there. So he's not one of these, this is my way or the highway, my show, you know, um, let's go type of guys. All right, JC. I see you got to run at, sorry, we kept you so long. Ah, at fine. JC I could go Allen, <laughs> NFL, uh, Bucks game day, uh, powered by Sports Illustrated. So. Uh, love a fellow SI guy. Yes, so sir. doing a tremendous job down there. Make sure everybody uh, to follow JC, get all your intel on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in advance of Monday night. Who's going to win the game, JC, uh, on your way out? <sighs> you know, I've gone back and forth on this. I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, and I think this is a game that's going to make national pundits kind of go, hmm, this Bucks team is a lot better than we thought it was. And hmm, maybe the Super Bowl hangover is real, even though they're sitting at 3-0. and 
And, you know, is Jalen Hurts fully healthy? We got the, you know, the report from McNabb saying that he's only at 60 to 70 percent. But is, is that a concern going forward? Ultimately, I think the Eagles still edge this one out. I just think they're too talented of a team. Um, I, I think the two teams match up pretty well, um, especially with them, the Eagles not playing like a Super Bowl, you know, like an NFC championship chip caliber team. But I still have them edging out the win. I'm going to go 23-20 Eagles. Ooh, the, yeah. the, it'll be an enjoyable uh, game day story right thereafter because right. it sounds like going right down to the wire. I, got one I, think, it's something, I think it's something where the, the Bucks are trailing at the end too. Maybe they're even up by a touchdown, and then the Eagles come back and they, they score that final touchdown, break the hearts of Bucks fans, and say, okay, they can win a gritty game. But should this have been a gritty game at all? It's the Bucs. You know, so go ahead, shoot. Uh, the, I was going to ask you the other night, and you couldn't have possibly known, I happened to be on the air on WIP uh, the other night at 1130. You shot me a text. Do me a favor. Give me your top three Eagles on offense and defense. I said, must be working on an article about comparing Eagles top players to Tampa yep. top players. Uh, did I miss it? Uh, you're going to put it up uh, today or tomorrow? Yeah, that's uh, why, what I Why'd you text me 11.30 at night? It wasn't a problem. <laughs> I just wanted to know. I don't know. I figured you're doing the late night CBS radio hit still. So I figured you were Philadelphia radio, but that's okay. Uh, okay. You were right. I was up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of do a little advanced scouting. I mean, I can read all the stuff. I'm, I think I read Johnny Mac, a couple of Johnny Max articles and stuff. Um, but just, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm giving the best content I can to our fans. I think as, as writers, as, um, you know, hosts, we want to do the best we can and give the best content we can to our fans and to the readers that are going to, or listeners that are going to be doing it. So um, I'm not as familiar as the Eagles as I'd like to be. So why not lean into a resource I have to kind of get a little bit more information and, and make sure I'm delivering, you know, the best possible information I can, yeah. especially leading up to the game day. Here's my watch out for Jalen Carter, JC. Uh, is, I know. He is I know. a problem. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I, yeah. I'm fully aware. I've seen, I've watched him tape. He is, um, yeah, his dreams and nightmares. So <laughs> you will see him live on Monday night. JC, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping on board with us. Thanks much. Uh, we will certainly get you on a, down the road again. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. JC Allen of uh, now Sports Illustrated doing the Sports Illustrated thing. By the way, I want to I want to jump in because JC said something. I don't want to scare Eagles fans. He's talking about Donovan, the Donovan McNabb, about, McNabb yeah. thing. Yeah, I was going to get what, that. What 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 Donovan said was he was playing at sixty five to seventy percent last season, coming off the shoulder injury, um, not this season. So I don't want people uh, to get scared. Obviously, he hasn't played like himself, um, but he did pretty well in the Super Bowl anyway. So. That was that what Donovan was saying was he was playing at about 65-70% last right. season. Last year, which, oh, by the way, I would say was applicable for maybe the final regular season game against the Giants. And then the Eagles had the off week before they played the Giants again and then uh, 49ers thereafter. How close to 100% do you think Jalen was by – Putting that final regular season game aside, by the time the playoffs started, the three postseason games, he'll, do you think he was only at 85 uh, Well, certainly not in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, he was pretty damn good in the Super Bowl. Um, I think that first game back, he was probably at 65 70%. Um, 
he did not look good. He was kind of gutting it through. And then it got a little bit better. And I think that extra week before the Super Bowl, I think it really helped him. Um, and uh, but he clearly was never and they, 100%. They had an extra week before the playoffs, too, because yeah, they didn't have exactly. to play in the playoff round. Exactly. So, so I think we're talking about one week, Donovan, where he was probably cutting it out and playing it less than 100%. Yeah. I, I think he was pretty much fine by the time the playoffs rolled around. But that was the reference that JC was making. Donovan's got a new media gig. So uh, people now taking quotes from Donovan McMahon. Okay. Uh, you get more quotes from McMullen and McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys coming back here on Birds 365. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Guys, here with you on Birds 365. We thank Casey Allen for jumping in. We get our buddy Martin Frank up here in about 20 minutes to give us an eagle perspective. Um, JC's 
He's a little pumped up about his Bucks being two and zero. I thought they were going to have a mediocre season at best. <clears throat> not they still thing. might, you know that. Uh, this early season, you know, they look at their schedule. Uh, Minnesota struggling mightily. Now the Eagles beat Minnesota as well, but the Eagles have a history dating back to last season. Um, well, the Bucks and, were in and, the playoffs last year too. No, but Chicago they struggled though. I mean, yeah, I mean, if playoffs are the goal, it's like two years ago, the Eagles were a middling and got destroyed by the box, but they were a middling playoff team. Um, so, and and obviously you make the big change at, at quarterback. So I, I think the expectations were low. I think it's fair to say that they're better than people expected. That's but, what I'm saying. But, uh, and I've talked about that defense since the beginning of the season. I thought the defense was going to be good no matter what, but, um, offensively, I think they're still going to struggle at times and you do have to, I, I mean, they beat Chicago and, and Minnesota struggling as well. So, uh, this is a big test for the box. Now, if they show up and they beat the Eagles, then you start saying, Hey, maybe, maybe they got something going. Uh, if they beat the Eagles, uh, I'll say they got plenty going. Uh, I thought, there was a good chance that by the end of the Eagle game, the Bucks were going to be 0-3, to be truthful with you. And now they have a chance to be 3-0. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Baker Mayfield has played much better than than, than I thought he, he did. I did watch a little of their game. Uh thing about Baker was, uh, and it might just be, I'm, I'm watching so many different games on Sunday to be able to talk about them all on CBS Sports Radio. Maybe it's just I have to tune in exactly where he's making the plays. Baker was making plays with his legs, running yeah, he can and, move and a little bit. People don't and, realize and yeah. running over guys, uh, laying stiff arms on people. I don't think of Baker Mayfield as that type of player, but he has been that type of player. Sometimes guys get rejuvenated when they get in a new spot, and uh, I, I got to give him credit. I've been impressed. Um, and Mike Evans, any quarterback tone, Mike Evans is in a pretty good spot because he's that great a player. As we talked about with JC, they're going to let it play out this year and see where it goes. He might be an ex-buck at the end of this season. Uh, how do you think the Eagles are going to play Mike Evans this week, John? Last week, they're going up against Justin Jefferson. They had the superlative effort against him last year when they whitewashed the Vikings. Uh, Jefferson got his uh, on Thursday night against the Vikings. Wasn't enough to get the Vikings uh, a W, but uh, not as much traveling with Darius Slay as they had done the previous year. Uh, and uh, our buddy J.C. Allen came immediately to the defense of Godwin that, well, come on, he's the best. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Duo wide receivers in the NFL. Hello, I take the Eagles two over the Tampa two, but that's just me, JC. Well, um, I mean, Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati is terrible, I mean, Cincinnati... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good. Um, what about Miami? Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna. Yeah, there's a bunch of good receiving duos in the NFL. 
but they're good. I mean, they're good. Mike Evans is really good. I'm not as high on Chris Godwin as some. I think he was more of a. I think he's a volume guy. He was great with Brady. Receiver, yes. Yeah, he's he's great with Brady because Brady's going to take advantage of those guys. I don't think he's as impactful now that Tom's gone. Um, but we'll see. He's a good player. I'm not trying to say he's not a good player, but um, yeah, I mean, last week, I mean, Jefferson's a different level. Um, and even Addison, I, I like, he's rookie, but he's, you can tell he's going to be good. Um, it, it, it's, but you always space this in the, everybody's got good receivers now because that's the emphasis of the college game and all these receivers come in every year and they're all, they're all dynamic and they're all athletic and yeah, some of them struggle with route running, but you know, if you make one mistake, one busted coverage, a bunch of people are going to be even Chicago, Chicago's awful. We talk about what they're doing. They have DJ Moore and, and, and Mooney and even Claypool's a nut job, but he can make plays. I mean, he everybody's hasn't, got he hasn't play. made plays since he got to Chicago, John. And well, I thought it wasn't a bad trade and they gave up a second round pick to get him. And he has done squat since he's gotten there. Well, that's a bad organization. And I'm not going to take victory laps, but uh, that's a bad organization. And it's been a bad organization. And it doesn't mean DJ Moore. Chase Claypool made plays in Pittsburgh. Um, Mooney, Mooney's an underrated receiver. I think if, if he was on a different team, people would be saying, oh, that guy's pretty good. Um I just use them as example because there's so many good receivers in the NFL. So many. All right. Well, then how are the Eagles going to de- try and defend the good receivers of the Buccaneers this week? Yeah. I mean, well, Bradbury, I assume, is going to be back. So that takes care of uh, a lot of stuff on the outside. And the Eagles will be better equipped to handle Mike Evans than most teams uh, with Slay and Bradbury. And then you're concerned inside. I mean, let's be honest. Doug Peterson, you know, I remember talking to him back during the Super Bowl season because the Eagles had a lot of injuries. Remember that year, you know, by Ty and Jordan, Jordan Hicks was out. Nigel had to move the middle linebacker. And he said, you know, he always would say, you can persevere um, with one injury, but multiple injuries at the same position, that's when you really start feeling it. And, uh, you know, they have, they've already got multiple injuries at, at slot corner because people forget about Zach in the preseason. He They're was completely forgotten. Zach McPherson is completely yeah, forgotten. He was the backup. He was the backup slot corner, and he's gone. And then Abonte's gone. So you're down to number three, and that's those multiple injuries Doug was talking about back in the day. Those are difficult. Those are difficult because no team is built in the NFL to be able to handle that kind of attrition. So he's going to get one opportunity, and and Sean Desai was talking about it. Now he's got to trust the techniques and the fundamentals and the coaching, and we'll see if he can handle it. Um, But, yeah, you have to be concerned about it. Another uh, concern I have for the game upcoming, I'm going to get your take, and we get Martin Frank up here in just a couple minutes. I'm going to take his get his take as well. Uh, it's two games. I'm both the Eagles ledger and the Tampa Bay ledger, so I'm not making a massive judgment, but you only have the two games that you have to, to judge by. 
Bucks have eight sacks. They've done a pretty good job. Now they're playing the Vikings and the Bears, as you pointed out. Um, both of those two teams are 0-2. The Eagles played the Vikings. So they have a common opponent that both teams have played, but they've gotten eight sacks. And Jalen Hurts has been sacked seven times, which last year, one of the strengths of the Eagles helped get him in the Super Bowl was Jalen Hurts just didn't take sacks. The Eagles have that good in offensive line. He's good at evading the rush. Uh, hasn't been as good and has been pulled down seven times in two games. Not the worst in the National Football League, but certainly in the bottom half of uh, protections in the NFL. How big a deal is that for Sunday's game? Tampa getting after Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts taking sacks. Could that be a, a big part of this game being close or staying close? Well, it's always, I mean, the pass rush is big. And we talked about Shaq Barrett and um, and, and him being back is a, a big piece of the puzzle for the Tampa Bay defense because he's their best pass rusher. Although Joe Tryon's having, you know, turning a corner as well. And then you have the big push in the middle um, with Vita. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, Jalen's susceptible to taking more sacks than, say, a Tom Brady type because he tries to extend plays, and you, you see it occasionally. And uh, that's part of it, and that's baked into it, and, and the Eagles are – willing to accept that because of what he brings with the off schedule offense and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Eagles want to get the passing game going. They want to get the passing game. I make no mistake about it. I mean, running the football is great. And when you can do it, like they did it against Minnesota, um, but you're not paying $255 million to a quarterback to, to hand the football off. And, and Jeffrey Lurie, you know, from the top down, you know, understands to be consistently successful in this league. Um, you have to have an explosive, explosive passing offense. And there's no reason the Eagles shouldn't because they have the quarterback, they have the receivers, they have the tight end, but they haven't gotten AJ on track. They haven't gotten Dallas Goddard on track. You know, Devontae's made some big plays, but from a volume standpoint, you want him to get more. Um, they need to get the passing game going, and this is the week they need to get it going because, again, if you're getting 150 against Tampa Bay, that is a rousing success on the ground. So forget about 250-whatever uh, they got last week. That ain't happening this week. So the passing game is 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 got to be better. And uh, they, they're starting to bank on that and expecting that this week. Uh, I've told the story a couple of times here on Birds this week. I uh, ended up losing my wager on the Eagles on Thursday night because I wanted to play a parlay. And I was afraid it was going to fall around the number, which is exactly what it did. Eagles won by six. I liked the over and won with the over. But I went to Dallas Goddard yardage rather than Dallas Goddard receptions. He got six catches. If I had gone there, I would have won. Instead, I foolishly went yardage, and the number was up in the 40 somewhere, and he gets six catches for 22 yards. Yikes. There's an issue there. We could get into that, too. But I'm I'm along the same lines this week, John. I have to decide whether I'm going yards or receptions. I think they're going to work hard, the same way they did with Goddard last week, 
to get A.J. Brown the ball. Uh, we all saw the mini dust up on the sidelines that the coach denied and then it, uh, said, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's what we're referring to, coach. So two on a scale of one to ten, not that big a deal. And we'll see about that over time. But uh, my guess is that when they're putting the game plan together, working it up, they'll be adjusting to A.J. Brown as the first or second read type calls uh, early and often in this game. Agree or disagree that uh, they they want to not only get the passing game going, but at the top of that list is get the A.J. Brown reception passing game going. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you want to, you want to, what do you want to call it? Embers or, uh, you know, full-blown fire. You want to extinguish that as completely as possible. And I saw um, Jason Kelsey was on um, with WIP this morning and was talking about, um, uh, I'm trying to find out, I don't want to misquote him. Uh, because there's too many people uh, that misquote people these days. Uh, the temperature of the team is a little bit on edge. That's how Jason described it. Um, now, I described it as they're wound a little bit tight coming off that game. So he's basically saying the same thing. That's the feeling I got after that game. Um, you know, typically <clears throat> you have a cooling down period after NFL games where they don't open the locker room uh, for 10 minutes. Um, often after losses, it's much longer than 10 minutes. Usually after wins, it's not, you know, it's basically 10 minutes and everybody's happy and celebrate and everybody's having a good time. It was like a loss coming off that game. Um, took a long time. You know, you had the dust up. You had Nick Sirianni not wanting to talk about it, pretending he had no idea what was going on, even though he was caught on camera trying to defuse the situation. Devontae didn't want to talk about it. Uh, AJ left the locker room. You know, they're wound tight. And, and Jason also mentioned the expectations. You know, they do a really good job of eliminating – outside distractions, staying week to week. But you can only do so much. They know the expectations. They know. And they haven't lived up to them. So that's why they're wound a little bit too tight. But they keep winning games. Right. I can't get too worried about it. Now, two, if they lose a game. should be overriding everything else. Yeah. They keep finding ways to win games. I mean, to me, that's the most important part. Um but, you know, people want more. And oh, by the way, for A.J. Brown, um, in case he doesn't know how to read his stat sheet and or he gets uh, selective memory loss, the ball's been thrown to him 16 times more than anybody else so far through two games. Devontae Smith, 15. Dallas Goddard, only eight because he got one thrown his way week one. I don't remember Dallas Goddard getting in Jalen Hurts' face week one when he only got one ball thrown his way late in the game, as a matter of fact, that he didn't catch, so was no yards whatsoever receiving. It isn't like A.J.'s becoming a forgotten man. It just hasn't been as effective, the plays that they've dialed up. The one play that he, yes, I say got interfered with. 
Now, again, Eagle fans, the Eagles got away with several pass interferences themselves, and I have this belief that they're just letting them play. Well, sorry, that's the NFL. That one, Jalen's fault. That's not something you should yell, be yelling at the quarterback that the defensive back got his uh, arm up on yours and didn't allow you to catch the football. I, and, and this is not a major, we can't have a guy like A.J. Brown on the type uh, team type thing, but I thought he was out of place for uh, getting as upset as he did. And you mentioned the fact that they uh, took a little extra time to open up the locker room thereafter. Uh, what A.J. have to say afterwards? He didn't. He didn't, he didn't. talk. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere. So. And that's uh, atypical of A.J. Um, A.J. is a guy who always talks. And he'll probably talk today. Uh, and I imagine he'll do the proper damage control. Uh, and he'll handle it well uh, because he's good in front of the microphones. Um, but it tells you that there was an issue on Thursday night. And I'm with you. There shouldn't have been an issue. You shouldn't worry about it. But it's hardly, and that's where the 2 out of 10 comes into it. You know, people act like, oh, good wide receivers never complain about getting the football. I haven't watched the NFL for more than two <laughs> minutes. So, mm. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, the assumption it was never going to happen here. It happened here last year, you know. Devontae's very quiet. He was not happy that he didn't get a catch in week one, and they made the overcorrection, so to speak, and got him the football immediately in week two. Um Dallas is not happy either, um, not getting the football. And I, I asked Brian Johnson that. Everybody calls it a good problem, a good problem, good problem. Focus on the good. It's still a problem. You got to make everybody happy. And that's why I go all the way back to the spring. I think I mentioned this yesterday. Be, oh, you got to get B. John Robinson. They freaking won football. Then you'd have him in the mix on top. You got to get B. John the ball. You got to get B. John the ball. Uh, people are already saying, look at Swift, look at Swift. You know, I go back to my eight or Swift, Swift is not getting as many touches this week as he no. did last week. I can guarantee you no. that as we sit here right here right now. That's that's great. You know, that's great that DeAndre had a big game. But, you know, one of my favorite quotes is that Adrian Peterson quote when it was about the draft. And I would say Chester Taylor was coming off a great season, was good running back. And I asked a personnel guy said, you know, you guys got a lot of needs. Why are you taking Adrian Peterson? He said, F Chester Taylor. I mean, this guy's different. DeAndre Swift, get in line, buddy. You're behind the other guys. Sorry. I mean, the other guys are, are going to carry this team long-term. The A.J. Browns, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Those are your star players. Those are the guys you get on track. If somebody has a great game because the ball goes their way on a particular week, the game plan, that's great. That shows you how good this team is, the depth and all that stuff. But the guys who are going to carry this team, playmaking-wise, are, are the AJs and the Devontes and the Goddards. Right. Um, Swift may, just because of the position, uh, Dallas Goddard is their third wide receiver, is their third receiver, I should say, not wide receiver. Um, you do need that balance. You do need to run the football. And if Swift is going to far outplay, uh, outweigh kind of game well or anybody else for the Eagles, I think the position lends itself to evening it out. I'm with you on AJ and, and Devontae. They have to be ahead of Swift. 
but you need you need a running back. If your first three best offensive options are all passes, then I no, I I, I agree with the balance, Bob. I'm, I'm talking more of you know when you're an offensive coordinator, you got to make guys happy. You got to make your stars happy. Everybody, not just Brian Johnson, everybody in this league, and then it trickles down from there. And you know, <laughs> another one of my favorite quotes: Mac Collins, Doug Peterson. Um, you know, people say Mac was starting, had that little stretch because of injuries and he didn't get targeted in like three straight games. And, uh, Doug Peterson's like, it's a sixth option. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not running plays for Mac Collins. Um, you know, if it falls into that and everybody takes everybody away and the defense does a good job, maybe it gets funneled to him on occasion. That's sort of how it works. There's a hierarchy. And AJ's at the top and Devontae's at the top. And it trickles down from there. He's John McBone. I am Jody McDonald. We're the Maga Mac Bart 365 guys. We believe Martin Frank is next. Martin might be having some technical difficulties with the camera on his computer. Uh, so you might not be able to see the handsome face of Martin Frank today. You might just hear the dulcet tones of Martin Frank today, but we're efforting to get him punched up on the camera as well. Martin Frank, either picture or voice, is joining us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving him up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. 
When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mick Donald here with you on Birds 365. Well, you're at least going to see the smiling face of Martin Frank. It's a picture. It's not a live feed, but at least we get to know Frank is with us. MF Jody Mac and Johnny Mac here. How you doing, bud? Doing great. How about you guys? And and believe me, you don't want to see what I actually look like right now. Anyway, so doing you guys all a favor. We're going to blame it on the camera, but it really it's just, uh, you know, you don't want to be seen right now. Is that what we're yeah. saying, Martin? Now, it, uh, trust me, you'd be an improvement over Jody and I, so yeah. it never matters. But uh, it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to hear you. And we get to see your smiling face on the picture. But uh, um. Hey, yeah, Eagles get back on the practice field today. It seems like it's been a while, Martin, these mini buys. And they get the extra day on Monday night in Tampa. But, I mean, this this team's 2-0, and Martin. Uh, they keep mm-hmm. finding ways to win a football game. But there haven't been style points so far. They haven't looked great in either game. Uh, they've done enough to win. Jason Kelsey was on WIP this morning talking about the temperature of the team, um, maybe not being where it wants to be. Why is everybody so concerned about style points? They win games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line. You got you to win the games that you have to play at that particular time. And, you know, it has been pretty, but they've gotten the job done. I mean, the defense has held up when it has to. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift in the running game got going against the Vikings and, you know, they beat the teams that are on their schedule. And when you get to the end of the season, you don't look back at those first two games in September and say, man, those were ugly wins. You know, you look back and you say, yeah, they started off 2-0 and and they had a great year. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Um, sure, there are things that you would want to, you know, you have to worry about and, you know, sure, there are things that, you know, maybe that work the first two games that the Buccaneers could expose. I mean, Bucks always have a really good defense, and this year is no different. And they're the second best team against the run, I believe. The Eagles are the first. They only give yeah. up 54 yards a game. So, you know, maybe DeAndre Swift isn't going to have 175 yards rushing, and they're going to have to, you know, win with the pass. And maybe that's kind of like what's going to happen this week. We'll see. Martin, your confidence level, zero to 10, zero being, oh, God, they're screwed, 10 being, <laughs> me, worry, laugh out loud. Um, what is your confidence level on Mario Goodrich as the Eagles corner, uh, slot corner for the next 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, however many weeks he's going to be doing it. He's definitely doing it this week, and we'll see where yeah. we go from there. But you got to figure he's going to get at least a shot here. What's your confidence level on Mr. Goodrich? Uh, for this week, I would put it at about a two. Ooh. And as the season gets going, if they don't make any changes, it could possibly go up to a five. But um, this is going to be a really tough game for him because, you know, obviously he didn't do very well against Justin Jefferson. And, 
you know, the Bucks use uh, Chris Godwin quite a bit in the slot. And I think the Bucks know that Mario Goodrich is probably going to be playing in the slot. So I think Chris Godwin's going to spend a lot of his time there. Um, and that's a tough assignment for anybody, let alone a guy making his first NFL start and playing in only his second NFL game. So not very confident in this point right now. Yeah, I think I, you know, uh, I want to run by my Marvin Wilson theory by you, Martin. If you remember that Houston game last year, Jordan Davis got hurt, Marlon Tui Pelotu got hurt, and the Eagles gave Marvin Wilson basically one game to prove that he could do it. And he proved he couldn't do it. And all of a sudden they were on the phone for Lynn Ball Joseph and, and Dominic and Sue. Um, Similar thing here. They're going to give <clears throat> Mario Goodrich one shot, and if he doesn't do it, you expect uh, Howie to pick up the phone, whether it's William Jackson they've already looked at or somebody else. Um, I think it's a small margin of error for Mario Goodrich. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, definitely. And, in fact, I'd be surprised if Howie hasn't already picked up the phone. I mean, Well, you already uh, brought in Jackson, they, exactly. but they didn't sign him, so – We'll see yeah. how that shakes out. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, how he's going to look under every rock and stone, I guess, to to find somebody who can play that position. And if Mario can't get the job done this week, I I I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's someone else doing it next week. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see Bradbury doing it. Some, you know, especially if this game doesn't uh, start out pretty well for the Eagles and and Mario Goodrich. I mean. You know, I mean, I think they trust, I guess my point is they trust Josh Job on the outside more, it seems like, more than they trust Mario Goodrich at the slot. So if that's your best combination, then why not put Josh Job on the outside in passing situations and then move Bradbury inside to the nickel? You know, at least you have a better chance. I mean, you have your best guys on the field, and that's always kind of been one of their mantras it doesn't matter what position we want our best guys on the field so i can see that happening monday night too um and then maybe more more as you know the next few weeks go along until they find like a permanent type of solution and i think they will look for a permanent type of solution so we'll have to see you know what that is but i think howie's pretty busy right now trying to find that Eagles pretty proud of their cross-training abilities. And I think if you move Bradbury inside, he'd be fine. But there will be a drop-off from Bradbury to Job. So take your drop-off wherever it is. We'll see how the Eagles actually handle it. Uh, there's been a drop-off with the passing offense so far this year, Martin. It has lent itself to a 2-0 record, but they're not putting up the numbers that they did last year in the passing game. What's the number one reason for that? I think defenses are not letting the Eagles put up those kind of numbers um, in the passing game. I mean, we've saw, we saw that both with the Patriots and the Vikings. I mean, like there are a lot of times the Vikings dropped eight guys into coverage and only, you know, had a three-man front. It's hard to, you know, beat a team deep, although the Eagles did twice with Devontae Smith. But, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because going into last year, teams were like all right well you know Jalen Hurts hasn't proved himself as a passer so if we're gonna you know Jalen Hurts has to beat us as a passer so you did. know and he did exactly so now they saw that and they say 
all right, well, it's better if the Eagles have to like drive down the field on a 15, 16 play drive, use up seven or eight minutes. Then it is for Jalen Hurts to throw deep to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and score just like that. Because obviously when you go on those long drives, there's more of a chance for a mistake or something like that. So, you know, they shorten the game that way, and they make the Eagles beat them on the run. I mean, by the run, and and they did that um, against the Vikings and to some extent against the Patriots, but still – that's not that's where your style points come into play and we haven't seen you know they haven't gotten too many of those and uh you know the buccaneers are probably going to make it pretty difficult too because they play pretty good defense they always have with uh Todd Bowles and everything so this could be another one of those not very pretty type of games all right the the Jalen Hurts um AJ Brown dust up against the Vikings Martin uh, Nick Sirianni finally put it at a two of ten on his scale. Where is it on the Martin Frank scale? I think it's about a four. I mean, it's not nothing, that's for sure. Um, you know, AJ Brown is clearly, you know, frustrated. He hasn't gotten off to the start that he did last year. I mean, last year he had fifteen hundred yards receiving, and you know, I I looked at the numbers this year. He's on pace for like nine hundred, a little over nine hundred, and. You know, A.J. Brown's a proud guy. Um, He keeps saying, like, you know, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet and everything. And then he sees the fact that, you know, he's like the Eagles only threw the ball 23 times. He got, what, five targets, I think. He caught four passes, um, mostly short passes. And the only time they really went deep to him was after his little sideline spat with Jalen Hurts. They went, you know, back to back with him the first one would have been a 25 yard touchdown but that was called back because of holding and then they went right back to him on the other side for 35 yards and that would have been a touchdown too but the referee didn't call pass interference well i guess it wouldn't have been a touchdown but it would have been at the one yard line yeah yeah still you know so he hasn't you know they haven't gone to him deep very often and he hasn't you know gotten many opportunities and he's not happy and that's kind of what it is right now all right, let me uh, jump off and we'll get back to the Eagles in a second. But since you went to that AJ play, uh, you guys are locked into the Eagle games. That's what you do here at the, each and every single game. Um, I need to watch the entire league because I do a Sunday national show after all the games have wrapped up. And I have come to the conclusion that the NFL refs are giving defensive backs more latitude this year. They're letting them play a little bit more physical. They didn't throw that flag on that A.J. Brown play. And, oh, by the way, Evans down by the goal line, coming over the guy's back, hit him early, hit him hard, hit him before the ball ever got there, and somehow they don't call pass interference. I don't get it. And I've seen a bunch of other games. Shoot, the the Cleveland game on Monday night, the last yeah. play that could have ended the game, that it did, it did end up the game. I know it was pass interference. And I said, oh, sorry, game's over, and the Browns were a loser. Um, and the other games, other than the Eagles, Eagle game included, of course, Martin, are you seeing the same thing I, I am, that they're letting defensive backs play more physical this year? I think so. You mentioned the Browns game. I also go back to the uh, the Broncos game. I think they went for the two-point conversion after the Hail exactly. Mary. Um, you know, at the very least, that should have been like defensive folding or something. I, I was stunned they didn't throw a flag on that. Um, yeah, and, and I said this on the show. They couldn't have started with the Super Bowl? That Bradbury call would have never been holding if they're calling it the way they're calling it this year in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's kind of like in baseball, like nobody gets credited with an error anymore. You know, they, they, oh, yeah, see. the umpires are letting everything. Yeah, go that's and, that's and been Jody's. The I'm 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 the I think they're just uh, John just thinks the refs suck. Yeah, bad calls. <laughs> I mean, it's baked into it to me. I, I'm not. They're human beings. They don't get it right sometimes, and. uh I never believe, I tell Jody, I never believe this league is trying to limit offense. They want the yeah. exact opposite. They yeah, want, that's, they why, want it sounds so, that's yeah. why it sounds so strange that they would, you know, yeah. that they're letting all this stuff go because they want offense. They want the points and everything. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think they blow calls just like defensive backs blow coverages. <laughs> they blow calls. Uh, I think it happens all the time. Uh, and you hope, like you bright bring up that uh, uh, Denver game, you know, you hope it's not going to cost you a game, but sometimes it costs you a game. And I think the bigger issues are, you know, why aren't officials full time? Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this to improve their craft? Reps, right? Coaches talk about reps. Why don't officials get reps? Have them at every practice. Have them at every OTA. There are more practices. I think those are the issues. You're never going to fix human beings making mistakes. Never. <laughs> I don't know why people expect them to be perfect. Uh, it's not possible. Um, and the human element's part of the game. And you know, Martin, I, I've been covering this league for 25 years. You've been around a long time. We've heard numerous, every single coach, what do they say? Control what you can control. I can't control a bad call, so I can't worry about it. What, 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 yeah, exactly. what, what are you going to do? Yeah. 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 So that's pretty soon. <laughs> pretty soon AI is going to be refereeing all the games anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, they could be in baseball. A strike zone. AI strike zone. Yeah. We're talking practice. All right. Uh, Martin, <laughs> I'm going to hit you with an over under. Are you ready? Go for it. Targets for Quez Watkins this week. Over under two and a half. Oof. Man, that's a good over under right there. Yeah. I might go over. I might go to three. Okay. I, I mean, we're, I'm going to go well, under because he's, he's got a hamstring. Yeah, yeah he's I got a hamstring. Say, like, do we even know if he's playing? Yeah. We got to wait till practice today, get an injury report. That's why we I can, asked him today before yeah. we knew whether he was playing. Uh, we can ask Nick Sirianni. We'll get you that information. That's yeah, going to be yeah. the answer. We'll get you that information uh, when the injury report comes out. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't even know if he's going to play. And by the way, I don't think it's going to matter. Then it's Alameda gets involved maybe for the first time a little bit. Um, yeah. I, passing game as a whole is what I'm interested in, Martin. Do you think it's more of the quarterback or the coordinator? Why is the passing game not where we expect it? Hmm. I don't know if it's either. I think it's more the defenses that they're showing them. I mean, you know, the coordinator – like even in the first quarter against the Vikings, even though the Vikings were still, you know, only having the three man fronts and stuff, the Eagles still tried to throw the ball. Um, so I don't think it was the coordinator as much because he might have been, if anything, he might have been trying to force stuff, you know, force him to throw to try to get him to 
you know, get out of that type of defense. But then finally, like in the second quarter, he said, the heck with it. We're just going to run the ball down their throats. Yeah. So, and that's what they did. So I don't know if I'd blame the coordinator. And I'm not, I mean, I, I don't think it's hurts. I mean, you know, he completed 18 of his 23 passes. He was pretty much on target. Um, you can't really say that. Deep throws too, the Devontae. Yeah, I mean, those were things of beauty, like especially the second one, the 63-yarder um, that went for a touchdown. That was probably as good a throw. I mean, he was getting hit as he threw it, and yeah. he still led him and everything. Well, he had a lot of room, though, to get that one right. Yeah. Uh, I think Devontae was open by about seven, eight yards. Uh, still, yeah. But it was a good he, throw. It was a good he throw. He threw it that far, though, with while he was getting hit, so I yeah. give him credit for that. So I don't know. I mean – Jalen hasn't made like really met the only bad decision was the interception other than that like I don't think he's played poorly at all I just think he's taking what the defense has given him and if they're not giving him the pass and they're running the ball so I think it's more on the opposing defenses than it is on maybe Brian Johnson and and Jalen Hurts at this point and I'll give uh, I'll give Sirianni credit because he uh, said what you just said, Martin, and NFL coaches don't like to do that. They don't like to be dictated to. They don't like to admit, yeah, the other team is kind of telling us what. To... Everyone believes that they're going to impose their own will on the opposition, that we're going to come in and do whatever we want. That We know that's just not the case. They're just not going to say it. So we already admitted to it. Said, yeah, well, our passing game is off to a slow start because of the defense. They they dared us to run the football. We ran the football. And when my coach says that, I like it. I, I'd rather have a guy who's being honest and, in my opinion, being smart rather than being uh, cocky about it, saying, we'll dictate all terms every game. We're going to do exactly what we want to do. I was perfectly fine with that Sirianni answer, and I assume you're the same. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know, there were there were quite a few games last year where they won pretty ugly too. I mean, <laughs> none more so than that last regular season game against the Giants when the Giants were playing their third starters yeah. and they still struggled to win. And then if you look even in the playoffs, well, I mean, the 49ers game more so than the Giants, like, you know, they pretty much knocked the other team's quarterback and out of the game and you know, they, they had short fields to work with because they got it caused fumbles, created turnovers, and, you know, that kind of stuff has to happen too this year. I mean, you know, they got a short touchdown against the Patriots. They got uh, Darius Slay's pick six against the Patriots. You know, they got four fumbles against the Vikings, and, you know, that has to contribute too. You get a short field, you can score quickly, and that's how the points pile up. Yeah. And I think people forget there were a lot of games, Arizona, at Arizona, where they struggled offensively. Uh, Houston, I mentioned, they struggled uh, against a really bad team. Indianapolis, right. they were terrible for right. three quarters in Indianapolis. And Jalen kind of put them on his back and got them over the finish line. To me, that's the most impressive part. I'm not a quarterback wins and losses stat guy until it's overwhelming and 19 mm -hmm. out of 20 is pretty overwhelming yeah um this this guy just finds ways to win um is that overstated or do you put stock in that you know when jalen hurts is on the field they generally win um yeah i definitely believe in that i mean 
you know, like you said, you know, sometimes a stat is overrated, but I don't think it is in this case. I mean, you know, a lot of those games come down to the plays the quarterback makes. Uh, you mentioned the game against Indianapolis. I mean, <laughs> was Jalen Hurts running the ball right up the middle, you know, late in the fourth quarter to give him the lead? Um, even the game against the Bears, he had a touchdown that way too. I mean, he finds ways to get into the end zone. It's not always pretty. But he gets the job done, and that that counts more than a lot of a lot of things. I mean, if you're 19 and one as a starter the last two years, and I think it's like what 25 and 11 overall. Yeah, um, and it's <laughs> it's since that two and five start, uh, Nick Sirianni. I mean, it's been 800 winning percentage, which is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, really good. I mean, you could have the best team around you, but you still have to make plays as the quarterback because you're the one touching the ball every time on offense. So, yeah, I think it means a lot in this case, and I think it tells you everything you need to know about the Eagles, that they're 2-0 and despite everything that hasn't looked very pretty so far. Um, that, says, that speaks volumes. I mean, you know, they're definitely doing pretty well despite everything that might be going wrong. All right, Martin, the number through the first two games for the Philadelphia Eagles of designated quarterback runs. Now, there's a little subjectivity in there for the scorer to decide what is or isn't a designated quarterback run. Yeah. Uh, But it has come out to 21, which is the number one uh, number in the National Football League. He has had more designated runs than any other quarterback, and he's only going at a 3.4 yard per clip. Last week, last year, he was almost five. The two previous years, I know the first year doesn't count much when he just jumped in after Carson Wentz decided he didn't want to be an Eagle anymore. But he was over five in both of those seasons. His yards per carry down. Why do you think that's the case so far this year? There's probably about four or five contributing factors. Who would you make number one? I would make number one that defenses aren't allowing him to get outside the pocket that they're doing a better, more determined job to keep them inside the pocket. So like a lot of times, you know, when he's, when he's had to run and everything, he's had to go up the middle and and the holes haven't been there. Um, I, I don't think he's running as well as he did last year. And I think, like you said, there are a number of factors and, you know, one thing is obviously the main one is the defenses aren't letting them get outside like they used to and everything. So, you know, I think that's something to keep an eye on because obviously that's a big part of his game and it's a big part of the Eagles offense. Um, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. But so far, no, he hasn't gotten off to a very good start as far as running the ball. I mean, 3.5 yards a carry, I think, in, in his situation is, isn't what the Eagles are expecting at this point. Um, you talk about those defenses, Martin and Bill Belichick week one, Brian Flores week two. But if you want to go back to the coordinator who handled Jalen hurts the best Mm -hmm. in my estimation, it's probably Todd Bowles in playoffs uh, after the 2021 season. Now there's no AJ Brown at the time. Uh, Jalen has improved since. But Todd Bowles, I thought everybody was going to play the Eagles like Todd Bowles did. Um, Now, most teams don't have linebackers that could run like that. Most teams don't have Vita Bea clogging up the middle. 
Uh, but this team does. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people looked at this Tampa Bay game and said, oh, that's a win before the season. I know I did. Uh, I think Jody did as well. Oh, yeah. That's a win. Yeah, this is a little bit more difficult uh, than mm-hmm. it looked on paper. Uh, agree or disagree? Uh, I agree, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I think that whole that playoff game, like Todd Bowles' strategy was, you know, we're going to make Jalen Hurts stay in the pocket, and if he gets out of the pocket, we're making flush him, him left. Up. Yeah, flush him left. And, and if you look at like what he did that off season, I mean, I think he spent that entire off season learning how to throw while rolling left, and he was much better at it last year, and it wasn't a weakness anymore. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, because I think a lot of defensive coordinators copied that strategy last season and Hertz just burned them left and right by, you know, when they tried to make him do that. So it'd be interesting to see what Todd Bowles comes up with. But yeah, I think the Buccaneers are going to present a pretty, uh, pretty difficult challenge because if there's one thing that Todd Bowles knows how to do, it's coach defense. And, you know, he's got great you know, you mentioned Vita Vea, you mentioned their linebackers and even their defensive backs. I mean, they're all pretty strong. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's week three of an ugly, another ugly Eagles victory, but you know, I think they can still get the job done. All right, Martin, I have a specific question, but I'm going to ask it in a specific way and I'll apologize ahead of time to Eagle fans. Cause they're not going to like the way I asked the question but I want to ask it this way to to elicit a specific response from you. Hypothetical situation Monday night against the Bucks. 24-20 Eagles, five minutes to go in the third quarter. Vita Vea falls on Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts hurts his shoulder. And here comes Marcus Mariota off the bench. Five minutes to play, third quarter, 24-20 Eagles. Who wins the game on Monday night? Oof. I'm going to go Bucks, just from what I saw from Mariota yeah. in the preseason. I mean, you know. I'm going to go emphatic Bucks, Martin. Emphatically. Like, yeah. Like, Mariota's game is running the ball, and, like, Vita Vea is, is pretty much almost immovable there in the middle. Um and if you're forcing Mariota to pass, I'm not sure if that's going to work out well against the Buccaneers' defense. Yeah, that, 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 uh, Jody just took Eagles fans to a dark, dark place. <laughs> I tell you what, like just the thought of like that's why I apologize ahead of time, John, because I knew what the response was going to be. So let me get ahead of it. Uh, yeah, but it, <laughs> but just... it's a possibility. Small possibility, but a possibility. And if you don't play for all potential scenarios, then you're not doing your job. Yeah, exactly. And I just like when you mentioned that, I just had this like shuddering thought of 350 <laughs> pounds like falling on yeah. top of me. And I think it would do more than just, you know, crush my shoulder. It would like crush my entire body. But yeah, you know, that's yeah, beat is tough to deal with. But, you know, the Eagles defense up front, they got a bunch of guys that are tough to deal with. So I think that's what they sort of carried them that defensive front. Jalen Carter, Martin. And it's at M Frank NFL. Make sure you follow uh, Martin online, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can read him at DelawareOnline.com. 
does a tremendous job. Um, boy, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am with Jalen Carter. Uh, it's only two games, and he's going to have some hiccups, and he's not – I don't want to put him in Canton just yet, but this is rare when you see somebody this talented who can step on the field and dominate NFL players. Um, how lucky did the NFL get that uh, – did the Eagles get that the NFL was so concerned about the off-the-field stuff with Jalen Carter? Yeah, I mean – the guy, obviously, without that stuff, would have been a top three pick. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, whichever team picking there would have been thrilled to have him and everything. So, um, yeah, the fact that he fell number nine to the Eagles, I mean, that's like if you look at what they lost, I mean, they lost a Pro Bowl caliber guy, Javon Hargrave, and nobody's they got better. They got better. We never I would talk argue. about we never talk about Hargrave. No. Never. Exactly. Never. Right. Exactly. That's my point. He got an $84 million contract with the 49ers. And, you know, maybe he's doing great. Maybe he's not. But I he mean, is doing well, uh, by the way. J- J- Javon's doing very well out there. Did you there, check the BFFs on him? Um, Are they rating him out good? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's number 12. Been... Javon, Javon's number 12, PFF. He's doing very well. Nice. Uh, Jalen yeah. Carter's number three. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the it's guy's, amazing. And he's only going to get better as the season goes along. I mean, he's probably going to play more. I mean, you know, I've already heard people compare him. You know, Lane Johnson compared him to uh, Geno Atkins. Yeah, you Geno. Know. I like that comp, by the way. I think that's I a do. really good comp. But he's bigger and stronger. And right. I've heard the Jerome Brown comparison. Now, I'm going to get Eagles fans upset. He's way more athletic than Jerome Brown ever was. Way more athletic. Now, I don't know if he's going to be that player, but that's why I like the Geno Atkins comp because Geno was really um, athletic, but he was undersized. This guy is an undersized. Right. He's, yeah. he, he can beat you both ways with the athleticism and, and the strength. Yeah. yeah. I can't say enough good things about him. He's, yeah, he's and, tremendous. And- I always make this comparison, like, you know, if you look at Fletcher Cox as a rookie back in 2012, nobody was talking about him in this this way that they are about Carter. And yeah. Fletcher Cox went to six, was selected to six Pro Bowls. Yeah. Fletcher Cox has had a great career. And, yeah. you know, nobody's talking about Fletcher Cox the way they're talking about Jalen Carter, you know, during Fletcher's rookie year. So um it's 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 really impressive to see and i think the eagles are pretty much set you know on defensive line and and jordan davis is playing much better oh, too yeah. i mean oh yeah he's gotten two sacks um jody was talking pff uh jalen carter's number three jordan davis is number four uh for interior defensive linemen That's in the entire nfl and oh by the way eagle nation they're all ticked off at me on the uh, stream for going there about Jalen getting hurt oh it's just as likely that uh jordan david's gonna fall on baker mayfield and take him out of the game yeah <laughs> so yeah. injuries can happen any place anytime anywhere yeah, jordan davis and Jalen carter together falling on baker yeah. mayfield uh, that's like a double whammy they'd have to pry uh baker off that tampa field uh, Martin, always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate you doing it. Uh, now, we expect you to get that camera fixed. 
because the next time you're on, we, if, if John and I have to comb the strands of hair, the very little that we have. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not using any combs, Jody. You don't have we, to worry about that. We expect the same out of you, Frank. So uh, next time we're yeah. going to see you, Martin. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Sure. I'll get my IT department right on that. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Martin. Martin. Frank IT department. We love it. All right. Thanks, Martin. Martin Frank of uh, the Delaware News Journal uh, here with us on Birds 365. All right. Uh, like I said, uh, injuries can happen anywhere. And let me get on record, John. I am predicting ahead of time. Eagles, Bucks, Monday night. Marcus Mariota takes no snaps. And if he does, it will be a kneel down in victory formation because the Eagles are up 10 points and get the ball back with try- 55 <clears throat> seconds to go. Trying to ingratiate yourself with the oh, yeah, man. They went, scaring they went people. bonkers yeah. on me as soon yeah. as I put out that hype. Oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Jody, the Jet fan, still pissed off about Aaron Rodgers being hurt. That's the only thing you can think of. The, yeah. the ex-Cowboy. I tried to get some heat off by saying Jalen Carter. Yeah, I've heard a lot. Seth, that's why Seth said it. Um, compared him to Jerome Brown. And oh, by the um, way, I agree with you. I think Carter's he's, a better athlete than Jerome. Oh, he's Brown. way more athletic. I'm sorry. Way more athletic. And Jerome was a hell of a player, but yeah. I actually think Carter is actually quicker. I think he's got quicker feet. All right. He's uh, McMullen on McDonald. We come back, put a ball on the show next. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. 
Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Running out of time on the Thursday edition of Birds 365, leading up to Bucks and Eagles on Monday night. Remember, 7.15 start time. Have everything, all your ducks in a row ready to go. 7.15 on Monday night. Do you know yet, Johnny Mac, are you going to be in Tampa here watching it? Has, has the game plan been laid for you yet? Uh, no, late game planning. You know how that works. Late, late I game I figured planning. as much with a Monday night game, you'd be figuring it out as you go. Uh, but the e- Eagles game plan is in place for today. They're going to actually practice, right? Shaco Shots, uh, yes. have a full yes. team They're practice. They're going walk to be and... uh, practicing on the field today at the NovaCare Complex, the locker room open session. So presumably we're going to see A.J. Brown. Uh, he typically talks on Wednesdays, which it'll be Thursday this week. Uh, everything pushed back a day. So, uh, yeah, plenty, plenty going on. An actual injury report, not an estimate, a guesstimate. An actual injury report. So we'll get clearer um, information on Reed Blankenship and Kenny Gainwell and uh, Quez Watkins. Um Jordan Davis was banged up a little bit. That's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I can't imagine James is not is going to be in a concussion protocol, but who knows? Got to wait on that. Um, that's murky, the concussion protocol. So, yeah, we'll get uh, clearer information. Nick Sirianni talking before practice, so we won't get injury information before practice. I guarantee you that. We'll get that to you. Uh, later today is we'll Johnny be Mac will do it later today here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and certainly with me tomorrow morning. Good one planned for tomorrow. Uh, uh, we got our buddy Damo coming early and Tommy Lawler, a guy from Eagles Report, uh, doing uh, a 920 spot tomorrow. So we got two good Eagles guys to hop on with us tomorrow. Uh, J Mac, safe trip over the uh, Ben Franklin Bridge. Um, you Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. Oh, you're a Whitman. Uh, Why I said I go I go over to Ben Franklin. Uh, you're going over the Whitman, uh, 42 to the Whitman. All right, uh, make it safe to uh, South uh, Philly. I'll get you back here tomorrow with me in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.